0: Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat.
1: It is the 7th of April, 2021, and it is time, donks, for Morning Combat. Hello, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm from CBS Sports I am joined on this beautiful day in your nation's capital by the king of Connecticut himself, the gas station trash panda, the Q to my non, it's Brian
0: Campbell, also from CBS Sports. Hi, Brian. Hello, Looky. It is hump day. Get fired up. Uh, have you noticed lately your, I don't know, distinct line of questioning of my true character has not exposed me as more of a, you know, despondent, ignorant factory town jerk but i think you're subtly trying to expose that i'm not hard luke at all okay that i don't (laughs) come from the same hard scrabble streets i preach of that i didn't fire a weapon or i didn't work as long in a factory or i didn't visit doha so i ain't as tough as you bro all right say it to my face all right
1: are are you mad about monday's show or something
0: you know, people starting to question what this guy's really made of. Co- come live where I lived, all right? That's all I Well, Listen, say
1: about here's what I did call you I called you the king of Connecticut. I have to tell you, BC, it is an absolutely spectacular day outside right here in Washington, D.C. How is it in Connecticut? It must be pretty mild, slash, a little bit chilly, right?
0: Yeah, a little bit chilly, but absolutely beautiful. The last couple of days walking the dogs, getting outside—you can feel spring is coming. Luke, I'm even—I'm even fired up enough to go change the oil on the riding mower. I think—I think I'm getting ready for that lifestyle. Okay, it's—it's uh, it's chop wood, season in terms of manliness. It's time to mow the lawn. And Luke, one more thing to go full circle on who we are and where we came from. This didn't make our rundown this week, but have you noticed that the Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury talks continue about location, and Eddie Hearn said we're down to Saudi Arabia and Doha as potential sites for this super clash in July. How about a full circle moment when vaccinated Thomas makes a return to his old stomping grounds? I'd love that shit, okay? Let's do that. That's
1: funny. Yeah, I I haven't been back since I was... Or I've never been... I haven't been back since... Actually, I've never been back. I haven't been there since i was two something like that so yeah i guess it'd be cool to watch from DZone or wherever this fight's going to air i'll uh, probably on pay-per-view uh bc we have a lot to get to today we have some jones and ganu stuff we've got the new venom fight gear is here we've got some matchups to talk about some bellator storylines some one but first bc i have to tell you i have a triumphant moment in the story of the front yard gym. May I yeah, please I tell you? Yeah, I turn off my
0: dehumidifier. Start the story. I'm listening, Luke. Go ahead. All
1: right. This is very short. It's very simple, but I think incredibly pointed. Now, to your, to your point, it does look and feel a little weird when you start lifting in your front yard. There's people walking by. I live in a major city. You know, they kind of think you're a bit of a weirdo. But when the weather is this nice, and I'm setting the example for all the neighbors, they can't help but notice. The lady directly across the street from me, Who's got a green thumb? So she's always in her yard and, you know, planting this and pulling up that and blah, blah, blah. She's been seeing me out there. Well, yesterday, which was also a nice day here in the nation's capital, she hired, she has one of the nicer homes and properties, a personal trainer or somebody, and she worked out with kettlebells in her backyard, but her backyard and her front yard both face the street the same. Wow. No fence. No fence. My neighbors. Are now working out outside in their yards after seeing your boy doing it. How about that? It turns
0: out, Luca, uh, more than one person has had the you know the, the the great dream of their lifetime to be able to work out in their yard with you. Unfortunately, <laughs> that homeless guy is pounding sand, but great to hear for your neighbor. Uh, you continue to be an inspiration to so many, Luke. I love this. And by I By the way, I am inspired by your. You know, wake-up call when you and I spent over $100 on Taco Bell, or maybe just you, actually. You know, that was the turning point moment in our health life, Luke, where you said, no more. It stops right here. I'm going to break the chain, all right, of just being a gross piece of shit, all right? (laughs) So, uh, yes, all right? We can do this together, Luke. Thank you.
1: Very good. Uh, We also, as I mentioned, uh, you know, beyond show having to get to, we have uh, other pieces to mention, like, trying showtime would you like to try showtime you certainly can 30-day free trial if you like it you can keep it if not pound sand and if you want to take the plunge to watch bellator of course you get the entirety of the showtime experience you can go to that url you see there in the bottom of your screen show.com slash bellator mma if you sign up now you get the first six months of all of showtime for five bucks um let's see You want to email the show, you can go to MorningCombat at gmail.com. That'll be for today's fan submissions, although those are already in. But for Friday's Dead Wrong, I think we're going to try and keep that alive, although I guess we'll see. And uh, what else? Oh, uh, merch, BC. Speaking of which, I really like your green hoodie.
0: Oh, hey. Oh, hey. Check it out here. Uh, United States Dog Corpse in the house, Luke. Okay. it's uh, Yes, this could be part of the future. We'll see. I believe uh, key decisions are being made as we speak, Luke, as they set to go to print. With uh, get those sweatshops ready, right? Uh, apparently, it's it's all it's all made in America here. So get get those uh, you know, get those people ready, Luke. I'm excited about this 2.0 is coming, but you can still get our classic line, right? The same thing that it's good enough for Bill to wear in his RV every single day of the year, hitting up our national park circuit with Jen. It's good enough for you too. All right.
1: Let me ask you a question. Did you put we jaculate art? And spell it without the E at the front because you don't have an E? Or did you think ejaculate was spelled ejaculate?
0: Well, you have to ask yourself is that sign art? Is what that's trying to say art? <laughs> you know, is art art? Really, there's a lot of questions, Luke. But do understand um, when I say MK is coming, I mean it.
1: We ejaculate. <laughs> What's the difference between ejaculating and ejaculate? <laughs> <laughs> ejaculating. <laughs> as I asked to start Monday's or excuse me, Wednesday's program. <laughs>
0: Tune in to the end of the show to find out. Huh? <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. All right, let's get to
1: the show here. If we can, of course, like and subscribe. Thanks to everyone who is watching. We will have that question answered, I suspect later. It'll be gross and awful. To start things off though, BC, let's go to this Jones and Ganu topic. This thing is still kind of brewing out there, still kind of floating topic of conversation in the industry and a video has surfaced that is not new. In fact, it is old. But it is referential in many ways uh, to the current situation that we have. John Jones, I want to say a year, maybe two ago, went on one Steve-O's. Year. It was one a year. year, okay. So he went on Steve-O's podcast, BC. And maybe you can bet- set this up better than I could because you were the one that initially had sort of, dis- uh, it, as it popped up, you brought it to everyone's attention again. And he addresses a number of topics I don't know if we're gonna play the audio or not, but for, from your vantage point, how should folks understand this interview?
0: Yeah, so I got duped, as a lot of people did, because last week, or maybe it was earlier this week, uh, these clips resurfaced, as you mentioned. And uh, Manish telling us we do not have any clips, so we'll just uh, we'll just sum it up here. But you guys remember, of course, uh, last spring after the quarantine had hit, McGregor kind of did another fake retirement, and then John Jones went public with the fact that he was offered the same amount of money to move up and fight the winner of Stipe against Francis, as he would have to defend his 205 title against Dom Reyes. We remember the back and forth that him and Dana had. Shortly after that, and I don't even remember this interview, Luke, but he did go on Steve-O's uh, little camper podcast that he's had. And it's wild how much these quotes, which have now resurfaced because it's timely again, still ring true today, not just because John hasn't fought since then, but because John is back in this open, very public debate of... Pay me, pay me what I'm worth, pay me what I deserve to take on such a, uh, you know, a crazy challenge. And it is interesting to watch this extensive interview, Luke, and see the quotes uh, where Jones is, you know, coming to life in terms with, you know, I can get my jaw broken. I can get knocked out cold here. I, I What You know, I've done the work for 10 years. What If I don't deserve this, what do I deserve? Those type of quotes, which you expect, Luke. But I love the sort of next level quotes where he was basically saying, you know, um, I want to become a free agent. I'd love for there to be an open market. I'd love to be able to fight for another organization and find out how much I'm worth. And maybe I have to sit out two to three years to do that but maybe I'd be willing to do that to help others. And look, we've seen, look, it's one thing to say that, it's another thing to do it, right? So let's not put the cart before the horse. But we've been saying that forever. When is change gonna happen? When somebody with something to lose uh, stands up and, and takes a stand. And one key quote in that interview with Steve O, as we continue to figure out, is the Jones and Gano fight happening next? Will UFC produce the money? Is there a middle ground number they could reach? Was John saying, you know, maybe if I did sit out two to three years to make these changes, I'd be remembered for something more than just winning a title. So this was very interesting stuff that, as we mentioned, happened a year ago, but it could fit in right now today. I know Ngannou also had an interview just this past week with TMZ about this topic. So, Luke, as much as nothing's happening, a lot seems to be happening right now as we navigate this. Will this fight happen? I know there's been rumors of the UFC... Uh, kicking around the idea of doing Derrick Lewis and Ngannou in June. Uh, where do you sort of sit on all things considered Jones and Ngannou right now?
1: Right. So there were some reports Monday that Ngannou was offered Derrick Lewis on June 12th, but the timing doesn't work for him. Uh, I guess we'll have to see what they end up doing. I tend to think that they probably will make the Lewis fight. I don't know if that means they won't make the Jones fight at some point afterward, but I don't, I don't anticipate and you know, we're all being we don't really know, we're all sort of being careful here, weighing the evidence. But I don't anticipate that the Jones fight is next. Here's what's gonna get interesting. He if he did that interview a year ago, it's now April, right? So let's say he did it late March, early April of 2020, which means we're sort of like very early in the pandemic. He was still coming off that win, the very controversial win over Dominic Reyes. Just that past February, if memory serves, right? So he was still basking in the glow of a wind. Very controversial. I thought Dominic has won, but you get the idea there. He says in this interview he wouldn't mind sitting out for a long period of time. Well, a year of that has passed, BC, and you see his frustration on Twitter, understandably, and you wonder, could he really keep this up another two years? I, I don't know. I think he'll keep it up, BC. This is my official guess, and that's all it can be is just a guess. I think he'll keep this up a little while longer i really do and i think ufc will go to other choices with francis because big francis um wants to compete and he wants to make money which is understandable as well after that i think jones will come around and there might be some minor concessions in his direction that's my official guess on this whole thing
0: i mean do you think that as much as we are emotionally charged for two purposes one Jones and Gano seems like the next fight, right? It just makes sense. John gave up his title and moved up. We now have this red hot champion in Gano. I mean, it just feels super fight right now. The other half of it is us sort of saying, look, fighters deserve it, man. You know, and if you, like we said the last few weeks, if you can't pay John for this fight, uh, big time money, who are you ever going to pay for a big fight ever, right? But that's on the sort of an emotional side of it. Is it actually smarter for the promotion to put this thing off, not a year or two years, but sort of put it for the end of the year, know they have more time to negotiate with John, and try to sort of maximize on the potential. Because look, as much as we all saw what we saw with Nganu, we have no idea what Jones Nganu will actually look like when it happens. Would it be smarter for the promotion to run Nganu into Derek Lewis, run Nganu into the next guy in line, with the thought process being, if he could be active, and be explosive as he's been. And look, let's be honest, who the hell has survived his punch except for Stipe the first fight and Derek Lewis in that really weird fight that, let's scrap it from memory, it never happened, Luke. Okay, that, that, It never happened. It's Rocky Five. okay? It never freaking happened. Um, nobody's been able to stand in the heat of that kitchen. Is it actually smarter for the UFC to get Francis in there two more times through the summer, if they can, and set this thing up for like Allegiant Stadium, December, let's say, John and Ganu, and give them more time to get to whatever that middle ground number is in the impasse between them and what John Jones believes he is worth, so that we can make this fight happen. Because it's never going to happen at the UFC's price, it's obviously never going to happen at John's price, there is a middle ground you'd have to believe where something can happen.
1: I don't know. I think that they might be happy if they can keep Francis active and he can keep winning, to just say, we can do this, and because we have so many other plates we're spinning that are doing really well for us we can just sort of say we're going to make money on this fight but you know or at least uh, let's say we're going to make money on francis's um, heavyweight title campaign but perhaps not as much as we could because we don't want to go for we don't want to we don't want to be leveraged by the existing talent which is really what this is all about once you get leveraged the idea would be oh well if you can get leveraged once you can get leveraged multiple times and they're trying to draw a line in the sand and basically Put a stop to that, dude. You're asking, do I think that they could that could go on for a while? Especially if Francis is getting them out pretty quick. I mean, Derek Lewis is one, but let's see what happens after that. You know, most of the time when Francis fights, they don't go very long. If he can keep that up, I think they're happy to just keep him busy, dude. I honestly believe that. They, they, like, and then when Jones and Enganu happens, let's say another year from now or a year and a half even, uh, and they made some minor concession to John and the fight doesn't do as well as it could have because it's, you know, maybe past the expiration date or there's other contenders or whatever. They could even look back and be like, you see, it's a big fight, but it wasn't as big as everyone said. We didn't need to do that. This worked out when it was supposed to work out. And I can understand. And they, avoid- Dude, they, hold, they hold so many cards. Last thing on this, they hold so many cards that they can play a bunch of different hands at the same time in terms of their goals and ambitions.
0: I think that this is an interesting story to follow for a lot of reasons. One, I think you just nailed out a, an interesting scenario that they can just kind of wait it out and do the, I told you so. See, we didn't have to pay that transcendent athlete that we call the goat out of one side of our mouth, but then out of the other side try to you know break down why he doesn't deserve more than 20% of the, uh, of the night's pay on that night. But I wonder, Luke, because UFC never marinates, marinating is a term that we unfortunately use in boxing when it comes to promoters having a great fight in front of them realizing that great fight isn't at its financial maximum point and taking the chance of doing the long-term booking obviously the greatest example of that is Mayweather Pacquiao where I I can't say this enough Luke the powers that be in boxing are so freaking lucky Al Heyman Bob Arum that Mayweather Pacquiao came around again to still matter five and a half years later considering that Pacquiao had lost twice in between, including a one-punch flatlining knockout against Marquez. Yet five and a half years later, they were still number one and two pound for pound, one and two in their generation, one and two in the welterweight ranking. So it still happened. It came too late, whatever. But the whole marinating term did first come from Bob Arum when he had a chance to make Yuri Orcas Gamboa against Juan Manuel Lopez in this great featherweight showdown in 2013. And he waited. And Lopez got knocked out twice. And he got trashy. And we never saw the fight. We don't see that in UFC. They control all the cards. They can make the fight tomorrow if they want to, whatever. But you mentioned could they give John a concession in the meantime. What if they look at this as, this fight's going to be massive either way. But could it be more massive in a year from now? If we build Nganu's star, like I just mentioned, even more by giving him quick Mike Tyson-like knockout potential possibilities, and then offer John the concession of a very winnable pay-per-view headlining heavyweight debut luke you weren't knowing me all too well in 2012 when i worked at espn as a backup mma and boxing editor but i once proclaimed out into the ether sphere of life that one day john jones will make his heavyweight debut and it will come against brock lesnar and he'll win that fight by head kick knockout and make a lot of money doing it somehow i don't know 10 9 10 years later this fight it's still there, Luke. Do you think they could do something like that where they say, let's keep John happy, let's give him a soft launch into heavyweight, let's give him those millions he thinks he deserves. We'll call up Brock because we're going public with the stock and people love casual crossover fights. That one's it. I mean, I'm just wondering if we see when we talk about going public, what will that change how will that change UFC matchmaking? I don't want it to change where we go to boxing levels, Luke, where we start slow pacing shit. All right? I don't need that.
1: Yeah, although you could get there, I, I do wonder—is there something to this? And then, oh, by the way, it should be noted that Francis has said, according to TMZ, when asked, "Like, do you think John deserves more money?" He's unequivocal in his support. He says, as far as negotiation, yeah, he's asking for money. He said, "Show me the money." But I think that makes sense. And Ganu said. I think for a mega fight, everyone would like to have a mega pay. Same as mine. I want that fight. I would like to have good pay. And every other fighter out there would like that. There's nothing irrational in this. Everything is normal. Everybody's expecting that we are doing this in order to one day have a big payday, a big fight day. When it comes to that moment, you are like, I wish I had what I wanted. So I believe in it. I see, show me the money for for me. Prove to me he really wants it. And, or if you show the money, he's going to fight. So I want to give credit to Francis for not dumping on his opponent uh, more to the point though bc if they offered him lesnar that's kind of interesting right because lesnar sells a ton of pay-per-view buys even now He's something pretty significant is part of the reason john wants more money is that he doesn't trust the sales ability of francis like if in other words if he asked him what would you make more on fighting francis or fighting brock the answer is going to be probably fighting brock and if you do that and they didn't raise your pay, you just got more because there was more money to be made by virtue of the uh, aggregate sales or percentage stayed the same, maybe that might solve his problem. Is this sort of an indictment on Francis a little I bit? I don't
0: think so. I think this is just John waking up and realizing I've been a headliner forever. I've made some big fights that have done pretty damn well on pay-per-view. Not not Conor, not Brock levels, but pretty damn good. And even in my biggest, most recent ones, I'm only clearing four to $5 million. Yet, our friends across the street in boxing, who have a much different system and a much different pay percentage, these guys are getting huge numbers for sometimes winnable pay per view fights in which they won't take damage. So, why do I need to move up and fight the most dangerous? I mean, I, I like that John is straight up saying, look, like this could be the fight that I get wrecked, and I'm willing to take that risk and that challenge. But something's got to change, and I do agree with that. And look, this all leads us back, I think, to a story that was just printed in the last uh, 24 hours online. Did you see Bloody Elbows? John Nash put out a very educational story based on John Jones's claim last year about why can't he make the same money? Let's say Deontay Wilder made in the Tyson Fury pay-per-view rematch, sort of a you know a certain block guarantee. Why can't he make that? Did you read this, Luke? I did. So it was educational from John Nash, who always does great in the in these topics, from the standpoint of like, here's boxing structure, here's the UFCs, here's all the advantages they have, here's why boxing is potentially handicapped by the Ali rule, right? And why UFC and boxing have different structures there and there's more cooks in the kitchen. But I think one thing that was interesting in there, Luke, is that he did bring up this fact. Guys like Wilder made some of those big purses, but the promoters did lose money on some of those fights. Like when... Wilder took that big paycheck to fight Dominic Brazil on Showtime, and everybody was hoping this was the setup fight to get them to the Fury rematch. Well, it was. And then supposedly, you know, in in theory, everyone will cash in at at the Fury rematch. We don't see UFC put themselves in a position where they could potentially take a loss on things because, as John rightfully indicated in that story, they are so in in wealth from this espn deal kudos to them for signing it by the way but they make a profit as long as they put on the minimum number of shows no matter if they don't sell anything if the ratings suck at the pay-per-view bombs they're already in the profit there so they're at an advantage boxing isn't so should that tell you luke that we should be harder against the ufc for not taking these chances or does that tell you i mean what does that tell you
1: it tells you that, yes, there are structural reasons why John makes what he makes, and some of those are understandable and fair, and some of those are understandable and not fair. Um, and drawing a line between those can be difficult. But uh, nowhere in the article, I mean, it's a great article, I agree, but it, 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 the idea, yes, to get UFC to pay more from a structural which-lever-can-we-pull standpoint, John doesn't really have very great options. Uh, there's a couple of things you could do with the public social media campaign combined with sitting things out combined with whatever, but they're not especially effective. So in that sense, it's explanatory in terms of why John makes what he makes. But I just want everyone to be clear. These circumstances, none of them are permanent. They just are what they are at the moment to the extent that people are willing to try new strategies or change the circumstances. Then the purses change. I want, I want folks to be very clear about this. None of these are immutable laws of the universe or gravity it's just what the laws are and then how they change the dynamic in the industry and what incentives they create so you know is john going to get more money from the ufc only if ufc somehow decides that they kind of want to despite not really having much of a inclination or frankly a need to in terms of you know their leverage position um, which is why I'm a little bit down on the idea that it will, although one never knows.
0: But what about that specific thing that, that John Nash uncovered there? That I mean, look, boxing promoters have to, they, they take the risk. That's why the promoters are important, right? They take the risk. They, they put the money up front to put on the big shows and hope that the combination of the live gate and the pay-per-view sales pay back the large purses that they guarantee to the fighters, right? Uh, you know, fighters have more, built-in bonuses, let's say, than most UFC fighters have. Very few have pay-per-view points in the UFC. But what John's point in that there was, you know, Wilder made these big purses, but promoters had to take big chances. In fact, they had to lose money in some fights to set up to make money after. Are we asking too much of the UFC knowing the control they have? To say, why are you not taking more, you know, big chances to pay your fighters? Obviously, we both believe the fighters deserve more. But from a business structure, UFC would laugh at us with that argument, right?
1: Right. But then again, we, 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 this is not a difficult argument to make when we talk about fighter revenue as a, you know, a, 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 what share it is. We're not merely talking about rank and file guys who are happy to get a four thousand dollar check. Well, we, we, you know, Venom check, not Reebok. You know, we're talking about everyone. The entirety of how much they pay out every year is 20%. Now, to your point, there are a different set of incentives in boxing that create for uh, fighter benefit, in that particular case, these huge purses, because the promoter has to take a series of short-term risks for some long-term payout that UFC's not in that same position. Sure. So I don't think, given the structure of things as it currently stands... Um, You can really make a strong argument for John to like match Deontay Wilder pay, but that was never really the argument. Um, The argument was not does John deserve penny for penny everything Deontay got. The argument was basically that could the UFC pay? You know, it would depend on what your it would depend on what your definition of uh, substantially more is, but could they pay more? uh, Satisfy John's. Curiosity and still for them make a ton, a fuck ton of money. Dude, if you go from twenty percent as an overall percentage, I'll say, and then thirty-five percent, that's a pretty fucking big increase. That's that's significant. And so I don't know if you get to fifty, I don't know if you get to twenty five million or twenty million for Deontay Wilder BC, but you probably get two X or one point five X of what John's been getting. And again, I think he'd be pretty happy with that. 2x on what you've been making, most Americans would take that deal.
0: Well, here's the reality that's hard for us as fans of all combat sports. This reality, Luke. Until MMA figures out, or really until UFC figures out how to pay the fighters what they actually deserve and still pull off their, you know, their goals of expansion and 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 pay off all their celebrity investors and all that stuff, Luke. Here's what we're going to deal with. The fact that if Francis Ngannou just had the biggest win of his MMA career, and yet what have the the headlines been in the last three days? Not all about Jon Jones. They've been about Francis open to the idea of boxing Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Promoter Eddie Hearn open to the idea of matching Dillian White against uh, Francis Ngannou. Luke, at the end of the day, even though MMA and UFC in particular is the more dolled up, legitimate... Cleaned up and entertainment delivering product than boxing is across the board for many reasons, most due to the control that UFC owns over everything, which that John Nash article really broke down in layman's terms. Um, it, it, it yet at the end of the day, their biggest stars are still looking to cash themselves out in something in which they would on paper have no chance of winning. Because that's the market we're in. That you can be great and be a UFC champion. Gano just climbed the damn mountain, Luke. But instead of talking the realistic options of John Jones next, including him, including Stipe before he lost to Francis, people are still talking about, well, you know, I'd love. I'd love to go over there and fight Fury or Joshua and get a taste of their money, even though I'm guaranteed to lose. That's an indictment on your sport, Luke, if you're an MMA-only fan, that we're at this, this 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 crossroads. That somebody even like Conor McGregor, who reached a level of commercial height nobody did in 2016, a level of leverage against the UFC that nobody has ever enjoyed and may never again and still th- until things change, he still had to go to boxing to make the life-changing payday, Luke. How do you fix that broken issue?
1: <laughs> Ali Act lawsuit, unionization, or you don't, you don't. This is um, this is a situation that we come to all the time. This is why I always tell folks who become fans of the sport: you got to figure out pretty quickly, you know, who's making what kind of money in this industry and how, and then how you change that. Uh, it's not going to be easy. The UFC is an entrenched, very powerful, uh, you know. Um, business, uh, they're not breaking any laws. They're operating above board, but they're also taking advantage of the way the laws are structured and the incentives are structured, and in many ways, creating them. Uh, and this is what you're going to get. So I always go back to folks: you want you want it to get more money, you want it to fit, you want you want the situation to be different than it is. However, you wish to remedy that, uh, you have to structurally change the industry, and it and nothing less will work. No, there's no half measure. There's no nothing. It's either go big or go home or just keep doing what you're doing, which is some guys can make money this way. You can make good money this way. Um, But are you making the money that you're supposed to be? I think that is the issue.
0: Well, final note on that, Luke, is this does feel a lot like every VH1 behind the music episode where we're like, rock band sells millions of records and goes platinum. And then every single member laments that they... Lost all their money because the record company had their publishing rights, and their manager screwed them over. And they had to tour endlessly for the rest of their lives, playing that one hit they had, just mm-hmm. to make ends meet. Doesn't it feel like that right now? We're at that point in history in MMA. All right, great I don't know about that. You. That
1: seems a little desperate. Um, I just know, I you know, part, I had someone on my live chat reach out, BC before and they were like oh you used to care like really so much about pay and your fiery Reebok takes and it's like dude at some point man you just can't keep saying all the same thing we're gonna talk about this Venom deal in just a second I don't know what to say it's the Spider-Man meme of you know Spider-Man pointing at each other again like it's just time ends up being this flat circle where you revisit through all these new problems you go back to the same root situation. And media is not really in a position to meaningfully solve it. We can address it. We can talk about it. We can bring it to light. And that's, that's something. That's actually pretty important. Sometimes that can be the facilitator of change. Uh, but the change itself doesn't come from us. It comes from other people. And they have so far shown, except for the UFC, who wants to keep things the way they are, and they have gone about their business to conduct it that way, um, they, they have to make change or we will just have this conversation ad infinitum if the greatest yeah. of all time can't get paid jumping up a weight class to take on f- that you know beast dude it tells you there is a massive incentive structure problem all right yeah, we got to move old, on though bc
0: the old way wasn't working luke so it's on us to do what we got to do
1: all to right survive. topic number two bc
0: i mean can a brother Tooth? get a little piece right
1: yes uh fight announcements there's two of them bc and they're both on the women's side of the of the of the i don't know aisle or whatever we're gonna call it uh two of them i love them i want to talk about the one that i saw announced first although it'll happen a little bit later macy barber taking on miranda maverick i'm guessing at 125 they're gonna fight on july 24th can i tell you the this is not at all fair a comparison not even close to being fair a comparison macy barber is in very much a winnable fight here okay but can I tell you what vibes I got on this fight, BC, when it was announced?
0: Yeah, please. Can you, talk, can you tell me, Luke?
1: Brandon Vera, John Jones. Uh, when, this fight, when that fight was made, which was a fight that took place on Versus back in the day, it was like Brandon Vera, when he knocked out Fabiano Scherner. Folks may not remember this. He knocks out Fabiano Scherner on one of the fight nights. It was a fantastic knockout head kick. It flattened him and uh, then gets on the mic and says, I'm going to become the first UFC fighter to become both heavyweight and light heavyweight champion. I'm going to to be the first to do that. Uh, Or the next one. Maybe Couture had done it. I can't even remember the timeline anymore. But he was going to do it. He was going to be one of those guys. Maybe at the same time. I don't remember the exact specific claim. And then he did have some nice wins. He beat Justin Eilers. He beat Frank Mir. But then he lost to Tim Sylvia and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he came in off a loss, I think, to Couture into the Vera fight. And you had the situation. Sorry, I'll I'll wrap up here.
0: They screwed Vera on the cards, Luke. I just wanted to speak truth into this microphone against okay. Randy or against Cooter. Okay, fine.
1: But the point being here is it was the guy who was the golden child who kind of faded, who ended up fighting the real golden child of that division. Uh, your response to Barber versus Maverick.
0: It's pro- It's got to be your dream fight in a lot of ways. I love this fight. I mean, Macy Barber, what, a two-fight losing streak, Luke? coming off that injury. She didn't rebound. I think she's got a lot of talent, but still has some things to figure out. And now you're matching her up against what, Luke? Maybe the real Macy Barber. Maybe the next Macy Barber. Maybe that young, already almost a finished product fighter who's showing so much potential and in a shallow division where, uh, let's not forget, had Macy Barber defeated, uh, oh, what's her name? Um, from anime fame, Luke, uh, Roxanne, Matafari in that yeah. fight and not been upset. She would have fought Shevchenko next. I mean, she would have attempted her to beat John Jones's record. Um, this is very interesting matchmaking. Luke. This is not a soft touch for, for Macy Barber to get. Well, this is okay. Two in a row. Let's figure this thing out right now against the person that may be replacing you in terms of our love and care level. I love this fight, and also I'm starting to love this night, Luke, because it's not on the rundown, but did you see on that same night, July 24th, there's another women's fight that has a lot of questions needing answered when Aspen Ladd returns from a uh, lengthy leg surgery, knee surgery, whatever it was, uh, although she's still hiking out on the nature trails with the dogs on IG, um, against Macy, uh, how do you say that? Ch- I, don't, I always get
1: it wrong. Chasen? Chiasen? Chasen
0: Thunder Pile, I think is how it's pronounced in Greek. Um, <laughs> so really, Luke, that's a great fight. I mean, Luke, uh, as much as Miranda Maverick and in, in Macy could be producing the next person at flyweight we need to care about, could Aspen Ladd sneak into a title shot here with a win over a 7-1 and Macy Kiasen? Or or what, Luke? I mean, this is a very interesting fight. There's nobody at Bantamweight except for GDR who already beat Aspen Lad, but... This is an interesting test.
1: Yeah, last thing I'll say about the Barber and the Maverick fight, uh, that's a tough fight for Barber. Unless she can show some real development, which, of course, at her age is certainly very, uh, very, very possible. Uh, But it seems like if you had to ask who makes better decisions in the middle of a fight, especially when they have to adapt, like what they were doing didn't work, they need to make an adjustment um, or their opponent changes, so now they need to, I would argue that's Miranda Maverick. At least that's what I've seen thus far. As it relates to this fight, the bantamweight fight between Macy Chiasin uh and Aspen Ladd. I love this contest. Dude, Ch- Ch- Chiasin, I think she's been out of um Fortis MMA if memory serves and it has done her wonders. She looked great in her last fight against Marion Renault. Uh and uh in the case of Ladd, you know, she had the hiccup against Duran Me, okay, but in general, dude, she's looked pretty St- good. She's very young. She's only 26 years old. She rebounded against Yana Sky like uh that's a that's a very underrated fight. Super underrated fight is what I would say.
0: Yes, don't we have a third chick fight to get pumped up about, Lucas? And this impossible? one might this one might
1: be the Yeah, this might be the best of them all. This is a this is a risky fight. It's a hell of a contest. For May 8th, uh bantamweight. Uh excuse me, what am I saying? Strawweight. Angela Hill taking on Amanda Hebos. What a fight you have Amanda Hebos, who needs a nice rebound uh, after that loss against Angela Hill, who has had a couple of fits and starts but has definitely been surging. And you got a little bit of a striker versus a little bit of a grappler. That's a great fight, BC.
0: It really is. And and even though Hill had those two setbacks against Claudia and Michelle Watterson, they're both split decision defeats. One of them, the fight of the night, in which she's really showing us that she might, you know, I mean, her evolution from journeywoman woman early on to. Oh my God! Is she a legit contender? I think what she came out against Ashley Yoder, which you know is a, is a decent test, and looks spectacular, and looked like she was going for the finish in March when they fought Luke. Um, she's showing us that she's ready. This is a tough fight. Uh, again, great matchmaking to say, He-Boss, you look like you were about to make that leap. You had a setback, so now we'll we'll match you against the person who could be ready to take your spot in that spot. Look, I mean, John Jones fight pay notwithstanding. UFC matchmaking is so damn successful across the board consistently for a reason. This is great matchmaking. I really enjoy this fight. And, Luke, it's going to be a high pace. It's going to be fantastic. I hope yes. we get some great live shots of uh, Mr. Uh, f- uh, you know, forearm tat just to get us all kinds of fired up for the art we're going to see in the cage that night.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a good one. I, I agree. And, to, and two very likable people, two hard-nosed competitors. Um, a lot to gain with that one. All right, BC, there is a Bellator ahead of us on Friday. It's the beginning of the light heavyweight tournament. It's Bellator 256, Bader versus Machida 2, of course. It will take place at the Mohegan Sun Arena in Uncasville, Connecticut. A lot happening on this card. Kat Zingano's on this card. Liz Carmouche is on this card. But let me ask you, when you're thinking, we'll, we'll talk more about this, uh, ice, I will, on Friday, but with Bader and Machida, this is the beginning of the tournament. It's kicking off. We did a whole preview video. You can check that out on Show Sports. What are you thinking about ahead of Friday? What story between Bader and Machida is, is centering this fight for you?
0: Uh, it's less about their rivalry. Because large look, they fought in 2012. They were both right. different guys back then. Bader's gotten a lot better. Machida, although still dangerous, and by the way, give him credit in his early 40s for how he's still you know relevant and still a big name in this tournament. He was obviously a much different, more dangerous version of himself. A basically a one punch knockout. It's like that didn't happen, Luke. To me, this is more about uh, which was one of the bigger storylines entering this tournament. Ryan Bader's fresh off that knockout loss to Vadim Nemkov. Yes, he's still your heavyweight champion. But Luke, what I love about Bader is he's typically pretty honest, right? I mean, he'll take the L and tell you about it. And he said, "Look, you know, Nemkov was the better guy that night, but I had some personal issues. And I don't think he's saying that, Luke, as an excuse. I think he's just saying it as like, look, honestly, I wasn't as prepared as I needed to be. I had some distractions. I went in there, I wasn't myself, and I got served." I love the storyline of Bader saying, no, I'm not going to go rest on my heavyweight laurels and just defend that title against any stick kickers that they got out there from Mitrion to Czech Congo. He's like, no, I'm going back down to 205 and I'm going to take my shit back. So I think for me, and look, you know, I mean, this fight, it's got a storyline, but you look at the betting odds. Our our friends at William Hill have Ryan Bader as a solid three to one favorite. Bader should, right? He should win this fight. But I want to see how focused and sharp he is. Because the Bader that emerged in that heavyweight Grand Prix, Luke, as we know, it wasn't the old school wrestling Bader. It was a confident boxer who had really taken all that stuff he worked on through wins and losses in the tail end of his UFC career. Largely wins, by the way. He's got a much better run if you look back at his career than people realize we remember the big losses for Bader, right the tito tap out the john jones loss getting sent to hell once or twice by a big puncher but there's much more wins in between but the way he evolved in that grand prix to be a puncher to have that short check left hook it be almost an out punch for him luke i want to see him get back to looking like that not the somewhat shell shocked guy he looked like against Nemkov, where he just got you know ultimately railroaded there um I think he should beat Machida, but I want to see how impressive he can look doing it, Luke. And I'm not here to count out Machida's chances, but I'm more here to see what Bader can do.
1: Yeah, this is an interesting one. I've got, I've kind of got my eye on, uh, I think you're right. Listen, Bader had a great run. I mean, did he even take a punch in the heavyweight Grand Prix? I don't even think he no. took a single punch. And then he had that terrible loss to Nemkov. But Nemkov, you and I both know, dude, that guy might win the whole thing again. He might be the Patricio Pitbull of that division or something like that, right? Just a utterly dominant figure we'll see how things go and more to the point um i do think he's going to rebound i like that heavyweight form heavyweight's great but i still think he can compete a little bit for me it's going to be machida because he's 42 now but he's going to be 43 in may bc so he's not far from that i think that was the year even even old randy couture i think he may have gone a little bit longer right maybe he's close to 47 or something but you know you're starting to get into like very rare territory as a competing combat athlete uh, at 43 years of age even in a heavier division like 205 pounds here's the interesting part for me so he's two and two in the bellator cage he has the win over carvalho which was a split he tko chael sonne like it was nothing uh back in june of 2019 and then he lost to Musasi and phil but both of those the last two they were split decisions i'm yeah, he torn didn't look awful. because huh
0: he didn't look awful
1: right, right. that's exactly it i'm torn bc because on the one hand he did not look awful in either of those. On the other hand, this is where I'm a little bit tripped up. If you had to ask me if this was the you know the guy at 33 years old versus 43, would he have won both of those? I think he probably would have. I think he probably would have beaten both of those guys, especially because you could also make a claim that Musasi has fallen on hard times a little bit as well, although not so much Phil, and he took Phil the distance too. Um, so I tend to think that he's definitely still a live, uh, threat here, but I wonder if we're really, um, overestimating his chances too.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, you know, welcome to the Machida era that lasted one night, but he's no longer that guy anymore. I, I think who, who's a threat to knock you out with a clean counter shot on some weird karate move. You didn't see coming. I think Luke, although he stayed again, to his credit very relevant and competitive at his age, I think he's got to outsmart you and outpoint you. I think Phil Davis left the back door open to give Machida a chance to do that in that split decision loss to Davis. I don't know if Bader's going to give him that, but it will be interesting to see. If Machida can stuff some takedowns, if he can hang around and this fight goes length, can he slow down the pace enough and get Bader missing? Where you know he can he can backdoor a decision. I think that's his best chance of winning. He's a crafty, credible out right now, but uh, this ain't the Machida era anymore, Luke. Okay.
1: Uh, BC on this card, as I mentioned, Carmouche taking on Vanessa Porto, who uh, had a nice run of, re- of late in Invicta jeremy kennedy taking on adam Boric. he's back out of the tournament but he's looking to stay active that'll be a featherweight hey, let's, contest let's that
0: quick luke did you Go know ahead. jeremy kennedy's the betting favorite there the the ufc and pfl vet against Boric.
1: i did not but that's a little bit on the surprising
0: side do you like jimmy kennedy or jeremy i'm sorry jeremy kennedy good god jimmy kennedy what am i what is he the left tackle for the uh Atlanta falcons what am i talking about here luke I don't Lincoln know. Kennedy, what? What am I? Where am I going
1: with? Uh, it's a it's a competitive fight, Boric I you know Borich obviously didn't look great against uh, Darian Caldwell, but I think in general has performed quite ably in the Bellator cage. I, that's surprising to hear. Uh, Kat Zingano taking on Olivia Parker. Kat Zingano's an interesting one BC. you know we talked about this I think on Monday's show. Like you know you watch her fight with Tate, and you know, she's just a destroyer. She has not been that in a
0: while. No, no, she's been you know. It, Evolving with her age to try to, I think, become more ground-heavy and conscious, rely on technique and strength. She's not the explosive force she once was. And look, I'm I'm always going to lament Cat Zingano's career because she never fully capitalized on what that tape fight could have meant and the version of who she was in that fight. Meaning that she had the disastrous knee injury afterwards. Although she did work her way into a Ronda Rousey fight you know, she kind of blew it. Let's be honest, right? She went for craziness in the opening seconds and blew it. And then since then, it's been so up and down of layoffs and maybe flat performances. She had the decision loss to Juliana Pena. She had the, you know, these fights where you're like, uh, uh um, she never really had her moment or, or maybe reached her potential. Uh, now it's a different version of her. And I, and I give her credit for rebounding in Bellator. And, and look, she's in this title picture, but do you think this is win and you get the winner of Cyborg Smith, or, or do you think she's got to do something spectacular here?
1: No, in Bellator you got to be honest about the realities. The, the divisions are simply not as difficult. Uh, not, well, partly they're not as they're just not as as much depth. Period. There's not as much depth. So I tend to think if she because she had she had a win in her Bellator debut over a very unheralded opponent, so you beat you know someone here, you got two in a row. You know, you got a big name, probably, um, but, you know, dude, she's 38 years of age. She'll be 39 in July, which, you know, it's kind of, it's funny, you know, first mom in the octagon and that kind of stuff. We don't, we don't have a ton of experience with like a generation of female fighters that we cared about getting older. Um, You know, you might have individual ones that you paid attention to, but we're starting to get to a point where like a lot of them are getting to those late 30s stages and it's going to be a hard decline probably um, so she's for them, a minus so we'll
0: see William Hill has uh Zingano as a minus 833 favorite against her Ooh. again another unheralded opponent in Olivia Parker look i forgot in that recent stretch Zingano had before leaving the UFC and by the way didn't UFC cut her when she agreed to be the host of that Ronda Rousey ESPN series they were doing on the plus about fighters and and cut uh, who? she cat I think Kat got cut because she decided to host that show and UFC didn't want her to. There's something weird there. Anyway, I'm talking about the Megan Anderson fight. Tell me if I'm wrong in my memory here, Luke. When she lost to Megan Anderson on sort of that freak eyelid kick that, that she couldn't continue because of her eye there, was she like one win away from getting Amanda Nunes? Not just because the... Bantamweight and featherweight divisions are so barren in UFC, but because she's the last person to to beat Mandy, I feel like she also missed out there, Luke. I don't know if she would have beaten Megan Anderson straight up, but had she, she may have, you know, she may have wandered into a, a Nunes title shot. So maybe for for her, obviously, the, the the big final carrot there is to get into a fight with Cyborg and see if she can have her moment. But uh, it's been a lot of ups and downs for Olcat.
1: Yeah, it's just the thing is, is, like someone who she's fighting like this. A few years ago, or more than that maybe, let's say seven or eight years ago, she would have f- fucking bodied. you got to go look at old Kat Zingano videos, like even regional MMA before she got in UFC, and she would wrestle these women and they couldn't deal with her physical strength or her wrestling ability or anything. And there's still some of that to be clear, let's be fair, but um, I don't know. I, 39 is a tough age to be for a professional athlete. doesn't matter who you are, you know, so... There's that. Uh, okay, BC. Let's talk about this if we can here for just a little bit. One on TNT is what tonight? It's tonight at ten yes, p.m. It is, something Luke. like that,
0: huh? I think it's ten p.m. Eastern on the old TNT. It's with it's our boy Chautry, all grown up in the states, Luke. Uh,
1: well, here's what's kind of interesting. It's going to be the uh, debut of one on TNT. Demetrius Johnson's on this card. Eddie Alvarez is on this card. Also, I've learned of late. Uh, you know, I try to flush all of the turds at our pro wrestling tweets off of my timeline which is a little bit harder of a thing to do than you might imagine bc one of them snuck one of the turds snuck through and i saw that it's actually going to be on one on tnt following an aew show that will be the lead in programming is
0: that right well not only an episode of aew during by the way wrestlemania week meaning aew is looking to compete with everything that wwe has going on wwe's luke got like Hall of Fame on Tuesday night, back to back NXT Takeover shows, back to back, uh, you know SmackDown, and then WrestleMania Night One, WrestleMania Night Two. I mean, they're going all out. AEW has confirmed that Mike Tyson will appear on tonight's episode on TNT. So, Luke, that is a very interesting lead-in because Tyson. Remember when he made that appearance? he went in the ring and went face to face he had Rashad and Henry Cejudo behind him and Vitor Belfort and it was kind of clunky but it was fun to see for for old you know old school wrestling fans Tyson will be back tonight I don't know what that means but you could have a worse lead-in Luke to get you excited about combat
1: yeah I guess uh any of these fights blow your skirt up
0: you know what I'm gonna give one credit here okay I said the other day that there's you know, maybe it's the, the pandemic or whatever. There's just not a lot of buzz from an MMA fan perspective of like, man, I got to see these matchups. But you look at the totality of the card, and there is a little bit of everything for everyone. I think it's smart matchmaking here from Chatrian and folks. Not only is the main event solid, it's Mighty Mouse Johnson, fresh off having won the flyweight tournament to get the title shot against a proven champion for one in Adriano Moraes. a guy who won something like 6 of 7, Luke, the only loss was by split decision when he lost his belt. He came back the next year and redeemed it. I can't say the guy's name when we fought because I can't pronounce it, and I don't know if anyone's ever heard of him anyway. But he's a decorated champion there. This is a decent, interesting fight. You get Eddie Alvarez back looking to, to in his late 30s, restructure. But Luke, from the standpoint of, like, you know, flashy things to look at, don't we get the rue groog on the undercard? And don't we get this Muay Thai sensation from Thailand? 23-year-old Rod Tang.
1: Uh, oh, he's a beast, Rod Tang. Jit yeah.
0: Muang Nan. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, but basically everybody who loves one jumps in my DMs and is like, BC, fun jokes about Chatri and the Apprentice, but Rod Tang should be your guy. You and Luke should basically be his biggest fan club member. He'll be facing Daniel Williams, an Australian, in a Muay Thai fight, Luke, which will be part of the three-fight main card to kick things off. So I've watched some highlights of Rod Tang. He lets people punch him in the face. He's an absolute savage, Luke. This should be fun to watch. And, you know, all things considered, you really can't go wrong putting Eddie into a brawl and finding out if Demetrius can win your championship for the first time, which is why you made the trade for Askren in the first place. You know what, One, I'll take it back most things I've said lately, okay? I'm going to be watching, and I'm going to be interested. Thank you, Chachri. Let's get more Rugrug on the TNT, please.
1: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. The card is actually pretty good. It's a pretty fun, pretty good, pretty interesting card. Listen, the issue with one—I'll be very serious about this—the issue with one is not really their product. I mean, you can take whatever criticisms you want to take. Nobud's product is perfect, BC. They should have, uh, you know, not matched up Sage Northcutt with Cosmo Alessandri. Okay, that was a bit of a—that uh, was a big mistake. Um, he broke his
0: face, Luke. He broke his damn face. That well, it, was just, it, it was just
1: inappropriate matchmaking for a guy of that ability. But the point being is. Look, look, I like the way they judge fights. I think judging them as a whole actually yields you better results. Um, I like how they can put in kickboxers with MMA gloves, and they can put it in a cage, or they can put an MMA fight in a ring, or they can just play with so many different things that American promoters, by law, are prevented from doing. I mean, part of what happened was the UFC went commission to commission to commission, and they got MMA regulated. But they got MMA regulated in the way in which it benefited Yes, many parties, but primarily them. And I'm not bashing them for it. Like, anybody who was in that role was going to do that. But one of the things that it did was stifle innovation. It actually made it hard for competitors to do something different because everything was kind of homogenized. One is not encumbered by that. They can just take risks, and they can play with different things. And I think more often than not, it's at least worth looking at. It's a good product. The problem with One is not that. It's that they got a guy at the top who says a bunch of shit, That is seems quite obviously false, and they make a bunch of claims about how successful their organization is when all the original reporting around it shows that all of that is false, and they make this big to-do about what being about honor and bullshit. It's all nonsense. If you want to watch a good fight, watch one, but don't believe the dumb shit the promoter has to say.
0: And I also didn't like, remember that first card they had after they made a ton of noise and michael schiavello came out and was like this is the biggest night in mma history i was like whoa bro come on like come on you know so look i had chatry on my old cbs state of combat podcast about a year and a half ago i actually enjoyed the conversation he was an interesting he's kind of an international man of mystery yeah let me me say
1: something on the show i've never told i know
0: what you're about to say so let me serve it to you i think you should get in contact with those Over-uber-aggressive one PR agents and get Chautry on Morning Combat. Luke versus Chautry. The loser is fired. I need to see this interview, Luke, okay? Yeah,
1: well, that's not... I mean, I would be happy to talk to him. I don't think that's going to happen. I've been asking for the interview for a long time, and conveniently, every time I ask for it, he's traveling or he's busy or... You know, something like that. And and one of the guys who helped Chachi do that, by the way, is Lauren Mack, who works at PFL. And don't think I I forgot about that either, Lauren. Uh, I I, I have a long memory about that one. So, um, you know, he's got a lot of enablers that prevent him from having to answer any kind of question about reality. But okay, as it relates to this event, do I recommend it, BC? Yeah, sure. You should absolutely watch it. It's going to be a good
0: event tonight. One puts on legitimately entertaining um, events. So there you go. What time is your morning combat one championship instant reaction pod going up?
1: Tonight? Yeah. Well, that's asking a little bit much. That's asking good. a little bit much, but, uh, we'll, we will talk about it on, on Friday or on my live chat on Thursday. How about that? That's pretty good. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. How about that shit? All right. You can, you can roll that one up tightly if you want.
1: Okay? Uh, you mentioned Mike Tyson was on the AEW lead in. anything else special about it? Is it just that, or are there any like titles on the line or something?
0: for Tyson? I'm not sure. You know, I haven't been watching like I should be. I really like AEW. I'm just taking an extended pro wrestling break right now and a lot of people are mad at me luke because i was the 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 banger the drum banger for years saying wwe will make you sterile if you only watch their main uh, roster booking what you know aew has the chance to lead this revolution and they've been pretty damn good thank you tony khan and company um i just haven't been as tied to the tv of late um you know sometimes you gotta take a rest luke pro wrestling could take over your life if you let it okay
1: uh, yeah don't worry <laughs> that won't happen to me I promise you I think we'll be good uh okay so that'll be at 10 p.m or by the way does aew end on the dot at 10 or like 10 and change uh
0: they, they, they'll do the end change thing the old school like you know raw and WCW uh, Nitro sort of spill over into the next thing to improve ratings but uh I, I don't know it'd be interesting to see if they go off camera with like Tyson in the ring, ready to punch somebody. And then it's one championship with Rue Grug. You know, I mean, it's, it works, Luke. I, you know, I'd watch or Belfort against Rue be That's some carnival matchmaking that I'd be into. So hopefully one is listening to me. Thank you.
1: Uh, there you go. All right. So let's go to our last topic here before we move on to some other segments here on the show, BC, which is that the Venom fight kits are out. Now, as we know, Reebok will still make these shoes, perhaps some sundry other pieces of apparel or gear or whatever. But in general... The official outfitter of the UFC is Venom. They debuted their kits, and everyone had opinions on them. BC, um, go first on this one. The Venom kits are out. Your reaction?
0: Uh, kind of shitty, Luke. I mean, like, you know, like I feel like this is set up for us to shit on it. And, you know, you were sort of very against when they signed with Venom, and what history does Venom have in producing this? Uh, that's not what Look, I said. That's
1: not, that's not even close to what I said.
0: So, so, so here's the here's the kits, by the way. There's uh, is that is that uh, what's her name? The young um, uh, Hanson,
1: Kaylee, right? Kaylee or uh, not Kaylee? Um, Kay Hansen, correct? Kay Hansen, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Brian Ortega, Aljo Sterling. You know, they're very very, you know, very young handsome. young
1: fighters. You know,
0: very handsome and beautiful models, right there. Well done. Uh look, I think it's 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 kind of shitty. I'll be honest with you. So in hindsight, look, I've you used to get on me when I would say this. I I never liked the the parameters around the Reebok deal how it took away sponsorship money how it only paid out a certain amount how it did a lot of let's say potentially negative things but I always really enjoyed the the Reebok fight kits the t-shirts I've purchased the quality of the merch like I've never had an issue with their t-shirt designs I thought the in cage uniforms that they had access to picking were all pretty damn solid Luke Um, this looks, this looks pretty shitty to me. So I just always was against the, uh, what it did to the fighters. I never minded the idea of having a uniformed look for a promotion. I, you know, look, it's every other sport does it. What's the issue on that? Um, Luke, if this is what Venom's going to look like here, uh, yeah, you know? Yeah.
1: It looks like training gear. If you were in the hunger games, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's got like like the the stripes and everything are like a little futuristic, body-conforming. Look, man, Venom, here's what I said back when they announced it. It's like I sort of got that they would go with Venom because they're endemic in the combat sports industry. They sponsor Lomachenko. They make all kinds of training gear. And I will say, remember, whatever we say aesthetically, there is a you know functional component that the athlete wearing this has to say. And most folks I know who have Venom gear, they actually really like it. So, in that sense, I think they're making quality gear. And as long as we don't have, you know, Reebok, uh, or I should say Venom wardrobe malfunctions, we'll all be fine. But it's like, I don't understand, you know, this is what Venom does, man. It's like they make garish, over-the-top, Liberace showy shit. And this is a little bit more streamlined. It's not so Ed Hardy. uh, But they make things that are loud and just in your face. And, you know, that's what Dana White likes. He likes that kind of shit.
0: It looks too much like the Reebok stuff, just worse. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I like the Reebok stuff. It was uniform. It was it was unoffensive. It was kind of cool in some designs. This just took that and just put some unnecessary lameness on it. But then again, Luke, maybe it's not for me, okay? I'm Here's the deal, Luke. I'm 42, and I'm actively going in the other direction in terms of coolness, in terms of uh, willingness to adapt to technological advances, in terms of anything that doesn't involve me, and my records from the 70s, Luke, and my artwork. You know, I, I've probably got two years left at the top, Luke, in terms of viability and coolness and cool factor. I better save every dollar I've earned because it's only going to get worse and fatter from here and p- more pale, okay?
1: Yes, it probably will. So it's like, you know, they're going to get you know, enough for the cost of inflation on the raise on these things. That You know, here's the thing, though, BC. Like, I didn't wear a Reebok kit. I, there's no chance I'm wearing any one of these Hunger Games fucking you know practice. Are you surprised? Uniforms. Um
0: last time I checked tap out is an expression of combat known worldwide. I'm surprised we didn't go there with this, or maybe even affliction. Go the full bedazzled route, Luke.
1: Nah. Although, you know, everyone loves that loud shit too. So Hey, it's true like, or false.
0: True fine. or false. I guess You and I were at a Showtime boxing pay-per-view event um, uh, involving the Charlos and one in which we hosted the damn halftime show. Thank you very much. I cashed that check. What are you going to do? My kid needs braces. I don't care. And uh Luke, did Steven Espinoza true or false? Walk in with a bedazzled black t-shirt that could have been from the Affliction Catalog. It could have been.
1: I can neither confirm nor deny, <laughs> deny these reports. Uh, no, they're true. They are very true. They're very true.
0: He's a stylish Um, man, all right? I love that guy. Thank you for the checks. Thank you very much.
1: Yes, the checks are nice. Uh, I'll just say, yeah, I mean, listen, if you want it, wear it. It's here to stay, you know. I mean, this is an organization that, for UFC 100, wanted to have a limp biscuit pool party. I mean, this is what they do. So,
0: God, that was a long time ago, Luke. That was a long-ass time ago.
1: Uh, You think I forgot? I did not forget. I remember getting that email in the press release being like, you've got to be shitting me. But, okay, I guess not uh all right bc i think that's when we turn the show over to you sir what you got for us
0: oh hey luke you know it is that time again so why don't we do it here's the best segment in all of combat sports and it happens every wednesday it's called the wheel of death
1: i'm like legitimately nervous for today's wheel of death and i don't know why
0: luke you know what we do every wednesday we, we make you spin the black circle we have 10 categories you'll spin it five times and i'm sorry luke whether it asks you to drink your own piss or tell a deep, dark secret, you get what you get. It's a segment built on the idea that Luke doesn't like answering circ- certain questions unless we make them. So, Luke, let's get into your 10 categories for this week's Wheel of Death. Here we go Dustin Piwauwewe, Dead, Drunk, or Naked, Any Given Saturday, Expired Latina Booty, Canuck Cucks, Women's Suffrage and succotash impromptu improv (laughs) touch me all over intergalactic intercourse and everyone's favorite luke punch pie co-host
1: i should have choice over these and i don't and that's bullshit
0: well i mean look do you want it does do people step up to the wheel of fortune wheel and go hey pat you should allow me to get the one thousand dollars all right No,
1: no but they get to spin it
0: Look, you spin it too. You may go bankrupt. You don't know, Luke. Okay, you may. I mean, c- can you buy a vowel? Not on this show. All right. So why don't you spin that shit?
1: All right, spinning. Yeah. There we have it. Yes.
0: Yes. All right, so a Luke. Ball question. Any given Saturday, people love my long-winded intro, so I figured just lean into it. Here we go. Yeah. You know Luke, who doesn't? Me. If you're new to hanging out with me, you'll know that you you, you you must know that I love debates and rankings and all those subjective things we use to fill time on podcasts between the actual fights. You know the barber conversations of the fight game. So, for example, Luke, not only do I love debating things like the 10 best heavyweights in boxing history, I love even more the weird sub debates, like who was the greatest boxing heavyweight of all time. On their best night, you know? Was it Muhammad Ali against Cleveland Williams a year before he went into Vietnam exile? Or was it, like I like to say, Riddick Bo, 1992? That one fight he got in extreme shape, fought at Holyfield the first time, and produced an instant classic. So, Luke, keep in mind that thought process here. What if we use that same style of debate in MMA, and we didn't limit it to just heavyweights? Throughout your MMA-watching history, Luke, what were the three best one-night performances you ever witnessed, in which you were willing to put that version of that fighter up against any in that division's history throughout MMA? Any given Saturday night, Luke. What are the three that stand out to you the most?
1: Hmm. Fedor versus Crow Cup. Um. That was just a magisterial game plan and execution. And uh didn't result in the most, you know, brilliant knockout or anything, but it was you couldn't imagine how hot Krokop was at the time. And this fight was fucking huge. I think they had fifty thousand people there to see it. It was an enormous event, and Fedor absolutely let everyone know who the best heavyweight in the world was at that time, because there was some dispute about it, and it was just amazing. You could also
0: to, to the spirit of this question, would you put that version of Fedor up against literally ev- any heavyweight from any era and somewhat like your chances?
1: Yeah. You could also put the one who beat Noguera at Pride Body Blow um, because no one expected Fedor to do that and they didn't know who he really was at the time. And Noguera was this big you know, fixture in the division and Fedor went out there and absolutely fucked him up. Um, that was a big deal. I would also say... You could do a toss-up between um, St. Pierre versus two. That's a big one. Um, or even St. Pierre versus Penn. There was times where you just... You, you think about the guys who are just real pros, very prepared, and know how to get prepared. They tend to have some of these performances. You could maybe throw in Cruz Mizugaki. That's a big one you could throw into. Ooh, um,
0: despite the layoff, he came in there and just he looked just I mean, insane. he ran
1: through Mizugaki like it was nothing. Um,
0: because look, the spirit of that question is that even though Riddick Bo went on to win the heavyweight title, he's a Hall of Famer. That night, you got a six foot five guy who can fight on the inside, is quick, has a great chin, and has knockout power. I'm putting that version of that man up against Ali, uh, anyone in history. I'm serious. I'm see, by saying yeah. that, and and that's yeah, what you gotta I, think yeah, about. And
1: I mean, so I'd have to think more about it, but those three come to mind right away. You just just these people who are you know, consummate consummate pros in MMA. They would, they, they all kind of had one night where they came out and you're like, right, that's why I believe in them. That's why that that shit right there is why I'm like, wow, they are something special. You know,
0: our producer Mikey Mormile, uh, was so excited he texted in Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater fits this category. So, yeah, and there's, you a, there's many
1: that. you could give. That's a great reminder. Mm-hmm.
0: For me, it's John Jones against Leota Machida. Luke, that was a bad man that night. He might have lost the first round in that one. I know he got he got he got kind of rocked or popped you know pretty hard with that left cross, but uh, what he ended up doing the complete game he showed the nastiness the damn freaking lifeless chokeout Luke yikes right
1: I was at Con yeah. Peterson that night
0: oh wow oh wow good memory all right Luke we got one in the books uh, this is such a great segment that people can't wait to see what's next Luke so why don't you jump to the wheel and spin that shit. great intensity and passion out of Luke
1: oh fucking hell oh hey
0: women's suffrage and succotash Luke
1: this do better you really- not be what's the best cook women or what's the best dish women make when they're cooking I don't want to hear that <laughs> shit
0: Luke, do you really love women's MMA as much as I do and as much as you should, or as much as you're constantly trying to make it seem like you're woke and you're not secretly hoping that all women's strawweights would just shut up and make you a sandwich? Do you really appreciate the art of women's fighting in today's MMA? Yes? Yes. Prove it, Luke. And to prove it that you really aren't some sexist misogynist at your core, it's trivia time on the Wheel of Death. Luke i'm going to put 90 seconds on the clock here okay are you ready for this i guess all right let me get my clock ready okay here we go luke i need you to name 10 of the top 15 women's pound for pound fighters listed on the ufc.com rankings website right now right 90 seconds begins now
1: all right shevchenko um let's see who else is you're gonna have uh rose on there you're gonna have uh let's see you're gonna have nunez on there you're gonna have uh i'm guessing holly holm on there you're Correct. gonna have um did i say andrage already I can't no you Andrade. didn't is she
0: That's... on the
1: list she must be on. Yes. the yes all right uh i'm gonna say um let's see at 115 anything else i can pick up one there um i'm out of i'm out of ideas oh a, a wang Jiali or Jiali, you know jang wiley uh you uh, wanna halfway
0: there four, 45 seconds to go you wanna Io- correct that's seven
1: uh so put up your finger there you go um whoo how about fuck
0: 30 seconds really a- left luke
1: i've never really paid attention to the list that much i don't ever look at the rankings now you're putting me on the spot
0: Or maybe you're Um, just a misogynist bigot. Yeah, it
1: could be that. It could be that. It could be that. Uh, I give up. There you go.
0: Wow, you're willing to take the L in order to keep the segment flowing, Luke. That is. uh, Hey, I'll let the results speak for themselves, Luke. You could have said Nina Ansaroff, Carla Sparza, Cynthia Calvillo, Klaja. Jan Jinan, oh, yeah. yes. Caitlin Chukagian, Aspen Lad, GDR, you big jerk. Wow. All right, Luke. There you go. All right. I didn't realize, I'll be honest,
1: I didn't realize some of them were ranked that
0: highly. Okay, Luke, let's go to spin number three. You get what you get. Let's see. Come on, improv. Improv. If you picked improv, I'm quitting. I don't pick these, Luke. It's random, all right? It's germane to me. Oh, hey, touch me! All all over, if you're willing. Uh, Luke, this ain't as graphic and gross as it sounds. People think all we do is create ridiculous scenarios here to try to embarrass you. How about we do something nice, Luke? What's the nicest thing anyone has ever done for you that touched you?
1: You mean, like, outside of a, a romantic relationship?
0: What's the nicest, generous, loving thing anyone's ever done for you?
1: I mean, my wife... Married me and gave me a kid? Like, what I mean...
0: You know, outside you, of that, Luke. Okay, outside right. of that.
1: Um, the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me.
0: I'm trying to show a, a sweet side to you, Luke. I'm trying to show all facets. We just showed your misogynistic, natural tendencies. Now we're going to show the, the good side, Luke. You know, I
1: don't know if it's the nicest one, but it's one I like telling people about. I particularly like sharing this because... Um, you know, he has a reputation outside of, you know, what my experience is with him. But I remember that um, I did in 2012, I did a show on Spike TV with Nate Quarry and Craig Carton. And um, Craig Carton, you know, years later would subsequently, he was he's like the number one sports guy in the number one radio market in the country and out of New York. He does huge ratings there. He did the morning show with Boomer Esiason. And at Mayweather versus Pacquiao, I saw him there with WFAN. Our show had been off the air for a couple of years at that point. And uh, he saw me, waved me over, and you know, he had Boomer there with him, and he introduced me and stuff like that. That was friendly, but that wasn't especially nice. But what he did do was, my, the guy who ran SiriusXM Sports at the time was his old boss at WAFN. And my boss happened to be there. Uh, he was the head of sports at SiriusXM, and he called him over, and... Craig put like his arm around me and to this guy was like, this is the next generational talent. You'd be a fool if you didn't give this guy a show. You know, what are you doing? Why is he, I was only part-time with Sirius XM at the time. Like, you know, this whole, it was embarrassing because it went on for so long. Within a month, I had a five day a week show on Sirius XM. Yo, Uh, dude, that's
0: a moment. That guy went to bat for you.
1: Hugely, and this is the point I always try to tell people about Craig, Craig didn't have, Craig didn't need to do that. Like, he could have never said anything. I would have never expected it. I would have never demanded it or asked for it. It wouldn't even occur to me to think about it, B.C. And he went ahead and did it. And not only did it, he went overboard. Um, So, when people do nice things and they don't get anything out of it other than they just want to do a nice thing, they're very memorable. So, Craig gets his reputation as being, you know, and he obviously, you know, he committed some fucking crimes and he went to jail for it. Um, You know, he stole, basically. But, um,
0: he may he money. may have gambled away his kids' college future that same night that he put you over to the bosses, but it was really nice of him, Luke.
1: I, I doubt it because he's making a shit ton of money again at WFAN, so I think he's doing okay. But it's long WFAN, story short, that was WFAN, a really that's nice. That's why thing. they
0: call it the Fan W F A N, right? W N B C. Yes.
1: Yeah, the fan. That's right. But there's lots of the fans. That's there's not just that one.
0: Well, when you're from the New York area like I am, Luke. There's only one. There's only one the city, right? There's only one the fan. Okay. When people say, "Hey, I'm going to head out to the city this weekend," they're not talking about DC, bro. Okay. They're talking about there's one city in this country, in this world, actually, Luke. Okay. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, there's one. Yeah. Well, there's also 1067 the fan here in DC. So got well, shout
0: there. out to Chad Dukes. It's my guy. Okay.
1: Uh, he got fired.
0: I know. All right. <laughs> We've got a, the- a, re- a recurring theme here. All right, Luke. Well, that's a very nice story. Thank you for sharing it. You very easily could have said when BC pitched the idea of you and I doing a two man show, then BC helped you get into CBS and, and you know, BC forced you to move closer to, to him so we could do the show in the studio every day. And then BC helped you lose weight and, and be nicer to people. And, you know, you stopped blocking people on Twitter. And then, you know, <laughs> one day when somebody, uh, uh. you know, on, on a glad I called that guy list didn't didn't take your organs and leave you in a in a pool, uh, you know, blood in a tub and, an un, you know, uh, in a damaged building, Um, you'll have me to think. So those were also in play as possible. In and a so.
1: damaged building?
0: Yeah, a dilapidated, uh, yeah, there you go. A okay. dilapidated? Thank you. Uh, Thermopylae. Alright, Luke, spin it. Number four. Let's see if we could get gross now. Let's see what we got. God damn it. Come on, booty, booty oh hey look speaking of gross Dude, are we how about ever
1: some- are we ever on the show gonna get the good ones you gotta get the, every week it's the worst ones
0: all right it's time for intergalactic intercourse yes luke this one is about hot steamy space sex and nothing else luke imagine your life became a science fiction movie and from the moment you woke up tomorrow morning your life had been transformed from a m- mundane one as a combat sports journalist in Washington, D.C., to a young bounty hunter and a possible future Jedi in the fictional world of Star Wars. Not only would you be single in your new life, walking the dusty streets of Tatooine alone, you would be ragingly horny, Luke, in this scenario, okay? So I know that's a it's a departure from your normal daily life, but imagine that. Luke, using all 9 of the Star Wars films that make up the three trilogies and the spin-off movies like Rogue One and Solo, combine for the listeners a top 5 pound for pound list of which planetary puntang throughout the movies canon you would most actively seek out from number 5 to number 1. Which actresses would I bang? Is this what this is about? No, the, no, no. They're, they're, they're intergalactic characters. Stay in character here, Luke. Okay, please. Yes, but that's the, that's the premise of the question. Oh, God. Um, all right. You, you know, I don't write these for my pleasure. This is what the people want to hear. Luke. Let me see okay? if I
1: can name five, and then we can rank them. All right? Five that okay. stand out
0: well you know stand out or not you got to do it oh good good, good uh, faith good faith God, i'm gonna, I'm gonna end up faith. i'm gonna
1: end up banging chewbacca because i can only name four um <laughs> all right Jin urso
0: yeah oh, 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 well done well done
1: right. uh cara dune um uh, who was the other wait wait
0: who's carrot oh cara dune is that you're talking it's, carano from the is uh, carano, uh, I'll, yeah yeah i'll include this i'll include this okay go
1: that's, ahead. that's fair um yeah, that's very fair I guess you got to include Princess Leia, but she was always homely as fuck to me.
0: Not in episode three she, she wasn't, Luke. She They made her, like, starve for that. Do you remember that? Nah. The Jabba scene?
1: God rest her soul, but she's homely. Uh, you're you wrong. You're there.
0: actually wrong about this, but keep it going. Keep it going. Oh,
1: um, who was the the Natalie Portman's character? Padme? Yeah.
0: Padme. Padme. Come on, bro. All
1: right, so that's four.
0: Padme from episode two? Yeah, you know where you're going. Boy, it's
1: amazing yeah. how the universe is filled with nothing but white women. Um.
0: It's a fair point. A fair <laughs> point.
1: <laughs> no, I, I can get more Latinas on Earth than I can in Alderaan. How's that possible? Um,
0: well, what about those dancing chicks that Jabba threw in the pit? They were minorities, right? I don't
1: know if they were minorities. Um, hold on, hold on. Let me let me see if I can get a good one here and think this through for just a second. Um, so the first three, second three. Was I think the, who's go- in the last three that I care about? Oh, you know, they're all zeros, too, in the last three.
0: You know, it's, it's, who's the main... Ca- Ray. Ray. Ray, are you going to put Ray oh, in Oh,
1: yeah, Ray, another white woman. This is the one with an accent. Boy, the universe... <laughs> not not as much racial diversity as you might imagine on these uh, departures. There's
0: there's no LBBs out there in uh, in uh, Coruscant, Luke. No, there's not. All
1: right, so if one. I had to rank them, I, I would go... Uh, we're talking about characters here, not people. Whew. I'd probably go Urso 1
0: yeah <laughs> wow all right Luke
1: uh Dune 2
0: and they're interchangeable in that's that slot let's be yeah
1: okay. yeah yeah and at that, at that point maybe even how, maybe even how I named them. so Padme I put Leia absolute dead last
0: you're you wrong know. about that Padme 3 is where you should be Leia should be four Luke
1: Go no ahead. Leia should Leia gets on the list by virtue of that you have to make one but no zero
0: homely all right. What about the fake Padme that they used in episode one to protect her? You can add that. She's in.
1: fucking dead. Fuck her.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Oh, wow. All right. Okay, Luke, that'll sum that up. Thank you for the good faith response. You only have one more spin left, so let's see where the uh, where your luck takes you. God, kill me. Oh, classic favorite, Luke! Your favorite mm. Wheel of Death segment, and it's not only back, Luke. It is back with a bang. You know the premise: I share three random names with you. You pick one that you would punch in the face. Oh, off can camera. I change my
1: last answer? Hold on, I, I yes. just got it. I want to sub out Leia and put the woman with the British accent from the uh, Han Solo movie. She worked for you know Red Dawn or Red Scorpion or whatever the fuck his name was
0: oh yeah yeah i only saw that once but uh i i'll back that i'll back that
1: okay so there you go yes see i told you Leia doesn't even make the list bro she's a zero uh,
0: you you missed that i don't know how you missed that but you missed that maybe she was i mean what if you what if you found out her uncle was colombian
1: she's i wouldn't believe it because she doesn't look it sorry
0: all right well luke you know what pie punch punch pie co-host is so here's the deal three names one you would punch in the face off camera no one would ever find out Another, you'd have to throw a pie in the face of, and the third, Luke, you would have to replace me with as your MK co-host following my tragic death from vehicular penicide. So here we go, Luke. Your three names for this week's punch pie co-host are Mike Goldberg, Coach Joshua Fabia, <laughs> and Coach Latori Gonzalez.
1: Well, you got to give the pie to Coach Latori. That's easy. Okay. Um,
0: well, yeah, then you're dealing with, with Mike and Ocean afterwards, Luke, okay? So you deal with that, all right, bro?
1: Aren't we just literally giving them a slice of pie? We're just being nice. No,
0: to the face, Luke. Pie to oh, the face. Oh,
1: oh, 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 sorry, sorry. I misunderstood. Okay. Um. So I could, wait, this is not, this doesn't work out right because I punch someone in the face and I put pie in someone else's face. That's just two versions of the same thing. One's a little bit worse than the other.
0: Yeah, but the punch is off camera. No one has to know about this, Luke, okay? All
1: right. In that case, Latori is going to be my co-host because I can't punch her or put pie in her face. All right, so I got to punch or co-host with Joshua Fabia and Mike Goldman. Now, why
0: can't you put pie in her face? Because of the, cause you always got to worry about the payback, some some punk that you waffled up way back, coming back after all these years? rats tat tat
1: I'm just going to say this because I don't know how else to do this. I guess I'd punch Joshua Fabia and I'd give pie in the face to Mike Goldberg, but I wouldn't do any of these things. I wanted that to be very clear.
0: All right, Luke. I'm sorry if I incriminated you for the sake of entertainment. Thank you for a good faith response to a good faith question. That's the (laughs) wheel for this week. Let's see if it stays around, Luke. I'm always willing to dump these, okay? People hate dead wrong. All right, maybe we were dead wrong for doing it, okay? People hate fan submissions. We're about to find out whether we should still be doing that segment, Luke.
1: That one is usually a winner. All
0: right. I feel like we should only do Wheel of Death in person moving forward. I like that idea. All right. All right. Uh, Morningcombat at gmail.com is your email address for all things fan submissions and dead wrongs. So here's the deal. Uh, Here's your artwork and more. It's called Fan Submissions. Fan Submissions. We've got mail. All right. I did not check these out. This is Mikey Mormiles Project. So here we go. Glenn M. has the first one. Hello, donks. Here's a picture of my daughter, Isabel, getting her MMA fix from the two hardest working blokes in MMA journalism. She appreciates the show at seven months of age because she can understand BC's level of humor. My wife has been suspicious of how much time I spend per week listening to Luke and suspects that I may actually be in love with him and wanting to have an affair if only i was that lucky if you do actually show this on tv my wife will go crazy because i have been specifically telling her not to let our daughter watch tv and especially not the hairy one that is luke thomas thank you and before you comment on my cable management at least they work and i generally have no technical difficulties love from australia by way of ireland and taiwan glenn m wow luke how do you respond to that
1: yeah, his cable management needs work. It's not great. Uh, also, just stacking shit in your house needs some work there as well. You know, Manish, you got can you l- blow that up
0: again one more time here, Manish? Yeah,
1: put a little more effort into it. You know, what I'm saying he's just stacking shit on top of shit there. You got what are those jugs and books? Are those jugs of beer, Luke? Your growlers. That's what we call them, growlers. Okay. Although I will say okay. that the stuff he has for his daughter is like identical to all the stuff I had too. So we are. And that's we are a pretty one.
0: sweet guitar he has right there is that like an ibanez or some knockoff uh, gibson explorer luke what is that i, right I
1: don't neat. know but if i was to rob his house i would take it
0: all right all right and, and a very beautiful daughter there thank you glenn for the support of our show we appreciate it Callum b is next he says at christmas i sent in my holiday setup of a martini with mk which luke called Adorable, but a borderline drinking problem. This time it's Easter and whiskey sours with MK. Cheers, guys. Love all the content, especially the Bellator stuff. Wish you continued success and look forward to that merch being available in the UK. Look, how about Callum B getting down with a drink with your old boys from the MK?
1: For a second, I thought that that bo- bottle said Abner Luima, and I was like, <laughs> um, is Abner making booze now? But okay, you won't get that joke unless you watch police brutality in the what was it '90s, '2000s, in New York City. Um, BC, when was the last time you had a legit whiskey sour, a real one, like like a, a bartender knew what they were doing when they made it?
0: Maybe at a wedding, like ten years ago. Maybe. Yeah. Luke? Probably, I've probably thrown up off of drinking too many of them after dancing to CNC Music Factories "Gonna Make You Sweat."
1: Did you do the crotch chop thing until you like, got <laughs> put, thrown out?
0: Yeah. Yes, I did. Look, the problem with that night at Seton Hall, well, there was a lot of problems, usually mostly involving vomit. But I became known as that guy who does the crotch thing. That whenever I resurfaced at that campus years later, people be like, "Oh, are you that guy that did that thing at the at the at the thing?" You know, and, you know, you don't want that reputation, Luke.
1: That's what my fraternity brothers used to do at karaoke. I told you the story, right? No. <laughs> they would show up to like a packed karaoke place, and like let's just say Adams Morgan or Georgetown too. Highly trafficked areas full of bars, right? And what they would do is they would sign up for... This is very stupid. I just want to preface that. The punchline here will be very dumb. But they would sign up for, like, to sing a duet together. And they they would pick any random song, like the Eurythmics or fucking whoever. And then it didn't matter what it was. When it came on, they would say, We built this city over, (laughs) over, over and over again until someone got on stage and physically remove them and at one time they, they had done this numerous times to the point where they'd be like they're like dana white playing blackjack they can't go to the palms anymore you know what i mean yes yes
0: yes uh, so i do support that Luke. yeah so
1: we showed up at one place and i was there stage side just to watch the reaction from the crowd i was hammered and they went into it like we built this city we built this over and over again just saying we built the city and there was a guy in the front row he goes hey asshole the words are right there. Yeah. It's like, dude, I don't think the issue is that they don't know
0: how karaoke work works.
1: Oh, you, I oh, you privilege is white do. people
0: from William and Mary. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure all you frat bros had fun playing quarters, Luke, and doing. Uh, let
1: Luke, me let me hear- say something. I, I, there's not what, what is. Let me ask you this, BC, serious question. In your professional or educational life, that's the only one that counts. Is there ever a decision you've made where you're like, you know what, sometimes decisions can be good and be bad. It's kind of a wash. It's just the direction that you took. And there's some decisions in your life that you took that you knew that were bad. Is there one that you took that you knew was good?
0: Wow, I've never been asked that. Normally I focus on dropping out of college, bad decision. Uh, uh, you know, there's there's many of those bad decisions I've in, I've encountered and endured and overcome. Um one decision
1: that you look back on you're like, I'm so glad I did that.
0: Yeah, um, sometimes to, to get something, Luke, you have to be willing to lose something. and there have been times where I got opportunities that that felt that I thought I dreamed of, that didn't end up feeling right and I took the chance of losing them. To gain something better. So what I mean by that is my whole youth, Luke. I grew up 20 minutes from ESPN. I was just like, man, I just want to work at ESPN. Any form, I'll, I'll be a janitor there. I'll log hockey highlights overnight, whatever, just to, to be like, I'm, I'm, where I'm supposed to be. I got the dream job, Luke. When I finally got a chance to work there, it was like a part-time, nighttime job where you like watch baseball games and log the stats. And the pay stunk. And I had a full-time job during the day. And I tried it for a week and. You know, I couldn't get home at 2 a.m. and then be at the factory where I was working at the time at 6 a.m. and try to make this dream happen. And I, I I, gave it up. And I knew that that was weird to give it up. Like, But I just knew it wasn't the right time and it wasn't the right setting. And it was so weird. I was just sort of like following a voice in my head that it's like, man, I'm giving up my dream. I got my dream. And I, it just didn't feel right at that moment. And I gave it up. And three months later, they called me back. And they were like, hey, we, we had your resume on file. I think we got this perfect part-time temp job for you. And that led me down the path that I ended up taking at ESPN. And then Luke, six months into that path with ESPN, working a really crappy part-time night job, not doing the things I thought I was being hired to do. I got to a point again where it was, I would try my best to juggle two jobs. I'm not getting paid a lot, all this. It was crap. I had to come to a point. I'm like, you know, can I pull this off? And uh, I asked to be full-time and they said, no, I, I couldn't, you know, working 70 hours a week was getting tough. So I went to the bosses, Luke, and said, look, I can't do this anymore. It's killing me. I'm not a good employee at night or during the day. It's a little bit too much. The hours are rough. Um, if you can't make me full-time, then I've got to go figure something out for my life right now. I'm at a quarter-life crisis. I'm at a turning point here. And I quit on the spot, Luke. And luckily they said, no, don't do that. We'll make you full-time. We'll figure it out. Where You you got potential. And so there's been a couple times, Luke, where I oddly was willing to give up the dream because I just knew in my heart it, it wasn't working and it felt right and other doors opened up. So I think there are times, Luke, if you just follow that feeling of, of which direction you should head, even if it doesn't make sense, you'll get there, Luke. You'll get there got to
1: bite down yeah well heart. i was gonna say this is more of a personal thing but it happened in in high uh, college so i have to call it that but joining a fraternity was one of the easily one of the best social life decisions i've ever made don't regret that for a day that was absolutely a game-changing call Loved but did
0: it. you regret outside of the benefits it gave you from the standpoint of friendship other men having your back uh, great moments involving alcohol and women and, you know, whatever, in the pre-Facebook expose your bad inhibitions to the world era, Luke. We were the last generation who could do really bad things and no one would find out about it, Luke. Did you regret it when you were getting initiated in some Satanic homoerotic bohemian grove skull and bones bootleg Yale William and Mary version when they put a blindfold on you and stripped you down and whipped your bare ass with a horse hide and had somebody teabag you and tell you it wasn't. And I mean, did you regret it in that moment, Luke, when you gave away really your decency and your soul just to have a bunch of drunk friends and uh, wearing the Greek Kappa Bama, your mama, you know? No, no, Luke. Screw those organized gangs, okay? You and your people, Luke, can go pound sand at your uh, Pi Kappa uh, Grada reunion there, okay? And and do shots of uh, whole grain and talk about the good days, all right? Luke, I don't need you or your fraternity, okay?
1: Are you done? If you're in college and you've been thinking about joining a fraternity, I can't recommend it more. It'll be one of the best decisions you ever make. So there you go. Do it. I didn't do it my freshman year. My freshman year sucked. I did it my sophomore year, and it was game-changing.
0: All you had to really do, Luke, was get in shape, talk to people, look them in the eye, ask what they're doing later. You didn't have to sell yourself in whatever weird ceremony you went through to be able to be one of the boys. Yeah, we just poured beer on
1: each other. That was it. Notice, notice, Luke, you haven't come up
0: with oh, you're right, B.C., I went through that, I did that. Notice you're not sharing those stories, because deep inside, Luke, I don't know BC, what do to you're you. B.C., because you're
1: saying demonstrably idiotic things. I'm supposed to respond to every time you do that? I would be out of breath.
0: Did they burn a tattoo into your shoulder? What did they do to you, Luke?
1: No, the black fraternities do some branding. You ever seen the one that, um, that uh, Ovid St. Prue has? Yes. Um, I think Lloyd Irvin has the same one, the Q Dogs.
0: I'm not into that stuff, Luke. Say again? into that stuff. No, I'm not not into. into
1: No, the branding, even that's a little much for me. I'd do it if I was really committed to some organization, but I don't know what organization that would be at this point where I would do that. So,
0: what was your fraternity, Luke?
1: Sigma Pi, the Alpha Eta chapter, which has since been shut down. I think.
0: Did, did they hurt you?
1: No, it was fine during my years. We actually had good. We had a risk management officer. We took it seriously, but the subsequent generations did not. And I know for a while that we, we were we were on Fraternity Row. We got kicked off Fraternity Row after year after I left, years after I left. Because I went back a few years after I graduated. They were still on the row. But then after that, let's say, I don't know, 10 years, they got kicked off. And then I think their chapter got dissolved um, due to poor recruitment. But in my year, it was great. I loved right.
0: it. It All was right. fun. Well, one day we'll get the real stories out. I'll do a little research. I'll do a little poking around, all right, and find out who was poking around back in the day there, Luke. All right, let's move on to Bruce B. He's saying, bringing the kids up right. Really enjoyed Bellator 255. Thanks for the heads up on the Showtime promo. Luke, Bruce B. making his kids go tip on tip. You okay with this?
1: Look at these little angels. This is wonderful. Well done, sir. Cute kids, and they're
0: funny, and they're smart. I love it. Yeah, keep them away from fraternities. Well done, Bruce. We are, you're raising them great here. I appreciate this. All right, David S. has two, Luke. Here's the first one. The last piece I sent in, I was a donk and didn't specify that my artwork was a picture of Luke and B.C. as the characters in the Predator movies. This time, there I made sure there'd be no question about what it was. So here is my take on Luke's mind every time B.C. goes to the jokes. Is that it? I think that's it, Luke. And here's um, number two from David S. However, BC, I love the jokes and hope they don't stop. And Luke, really glad you haven't taken my art pieces to the land of wind and ghosts. Morning Combat is hands down the best combat podcast, and I wish you both more to come.
1: You should get this tattooed on you.
0: I, I kind of like this. I like this guy's art style here, Luke David S. I, I'm into this, okay? I like yeah, it's that. A little, I it's a little believe... funky, but it's good. Luke, we should probably take a dead wrong. We should have known that was Predator, because everybody was like, what are you guys, crazy? Isn't that your favorite movie? How'd you yeah, guys but not he has
1: know that? no, like, the. it's just the Predator's kind of hands and sort of his body.
0: We should have known. I think we should But it's just your there. face. It's your dumb face. All right. All right. Thank you, David S. We appreciate you and your artwork. Yes, thank you. Okay. I can make that into a poster, Luke. I look jacked in that one. Uh, Kevin L. has two of them here, Luke. Here's the first one. A very low effort meme, he says.
1: (laughs) Reggie Jackson and Moco chilling.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Luke. They could be friends. They could hang out. That does look like Moco right there. Uh, A little bit. Yeah. Wow, well done there. And here's number two. He says, here's a pic of Luke and BC climbing aboard the MK rocket ship to the stars. I just hope it doesn't meet the same fate as the Challenger. Oh, bro, too soon, all right? Wow. Jesus
1: Christ. Come on, guys. (laughs) Also, I like how you're taking a hot dog into space. That's very important.
0: (laughs) They know me too well on this show, Luke. All right, Robert's got one. He says, thanks for doing what you do. Exclamation point. Check out this movie poster, Luke.
1: In the tradition of Tonto and the Lone Ranger, Sundance and and Butch and Costello and Abbott comes a new kind of dynamic duo, Campbell and Thomas. I don't know why you're remarkably shorter than me, but I love how I have a gun and you don't. That is very appropriate, BC. That's very, very true to life.
0: That is true to life. Is that supposed to be based on a movie? What am I missing here, Luke?
1: I don't know what movie that is.
0: Is that Predator and I just missed it again, Luke? No, no, it's not. All right. But they're Thank handcuffed,
1: so I don't quite get it. Also, you're not that much shorter than me, just like an inch or two at most.
0: Yeah, I'm a very big man, Luke. All right, final one from Richard A. He says, love the show, guys, in all caps. Made this for you. Check my shit out at SoundCloud.com slash tracks No need for the promo. I just think you guys would like it. I produced for a guy named... Uh, all right. He's got some other shout-outs to himself here. Luke, here is Axtrax, who has made us, I believe, a theme song for our show. We appreciate that. Let's check it out. Yeah,
1: There's that banger in the club.
0: Stay frosty. Stay frosty. Once you start to die, that shit, it gets costly. Have you seen this shit? Too many dick jokes, B.C.? That shit get costly Now it's MK all day Back in high school Luke's the guy Knocking books out of BC's hands in the hallway As he walked away you heard him say Luke Thomas rules But BC lives his life out on the edge This is precisely how he got his revenge He used to think and plot quietly Doing push-ups and breaking glass New no game seemed to last mess. Was in the back of his mind That day on he started packing the nine any day Can make a hole in one. horn You never golf But he's still ready To smack Luke With the back of the nine Parked outside Sit back and recline Wait for the perfect time Okay, I've had, had enough Second thoughts second thought And he let Luke live That's the lesson That's To be learned You can't forget What you <laughs>
1: Can now these guys are going tip, tip, it's, it's fine it's good okay no mas no mas no mas no mas
0: <laughs> looks like thank you for your offerings but i'm done please i'm done i'm
1: done yes i'm All tapping right. out you know it was nice it was nice it was it reminded me of uh low budget no limit rap albums from like silk the shaka 1999 or whatever
0: yes Yes, Luke. Good timing. We're done with the fan submissions. Morningcombat at gmail.com. Luke, will that segment survive? Will Dead Wrong survive? Will the yeah, all survive, of survive? All Luke? of them
1: will survive, yeah.
0: All right. Hopefully we survive, too, Luke, okay? We will in survive. In fact, I'd be willing to reenact your Phi Beta Kappa initiation sequence in the next documentary on camera.
1: Do you know Phi Beta Kappa was founded at William & Mary?
0: No, I didn't. I didn't.
1: For folks who may not know, that's the fraternity you get into when you graduate with, like, a 4.0 from college. So, there you go
0: luke who were william and mary did they did they consummate their relationship do you believe
1: yes they were english royals
0: all right
1: there you go uh, thomas jefferson by the way i saw this if you actually go to you google like william and mary and it'll, it'll be like overview blah 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 like all the different things you could look over student population rent, you know not rent I'm sorry tuition and then it has famous alumni i didn't even notice till someone showed it to me i'm dead last in famous alumni but I made the list. It starts with Thomas Jefferson, and then you scroll all the way down to the zeros like me, the hanger honors, but I made the list, BC. Google says I am notable William & Mary alumni. How does that sound?
0: Uh, That is pretty awesome. To be on the same list as anything of Thomas Jefferson, that's pretty awesome, Luke, unless... Unless it was some, like, slave owner list or something. You don't want to be on that, Luke. But yeah, well done right there. Um, when you when you Google Naugatuck Valley Community Technical College, Luke, where I received an <laughs> AS in general studies, you don't really see me under famous alumni. I don't know why. I mean, do they do they even know I went there, Luke? I don't know. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's funny. That's funny, BC. Okay. Well, we appreciate everyone sending that in. Of course, morningcombat at gmail.com. Good stuff with all of that. Uh, let's see. BC, you're done, right? What's What's your plan for the rest of the week?
0: I will be on Friday morning's Morning Combat show, Luke, to set the stage for all things Bellator 256 and get our weekend plans going. It's only this weekend, though. I'll have my own plans as I head out on a much-deserved vacation with the family, Luke. So... Um, you know, I'm not going to hit you up it. on
1: vacation unless it's an absolute emergency because you need a break from me, and I know that I can feel it.
0: Oh no, Luke! You and I, we we don't we don't have an expiration. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, we do. What <laughs> we talking about, Luke? Yeah. All right, maybe, we, maybe I do. Maybe I do, Luke. What are you going to do about that?
1: Uh, well, I wish you nothing but a good time. I, by the way, I bought my tickets yesterday with the airline we bought them on. You can just change the date of virtually whatever you want. But I did buy my tickets to Colombia yesterday. They were so fucking cheap. They were Ooh, so when cheap. When do you I, plan
0: on going?
1: Uh, in August. That part is when in August is still up in the air, but August, we're going.
0: Are you going to go on vacation or are you going to go to live there for a while?
1: So I'm going to go, um, I'm going to do both. I'm going to work at least one week there, maybe two, probably just one. And then I'll do another like 10 days of vacation, something like that. So I will work and, and live there. But, you know, once I do MK, I'm headed right to the beach. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah, what be, part of it's Jamaica be, are you from? right near
0: the beach. A boy <laughs> I
1: I don't hate you, but I do want to hit you over the head with a shovel. I do want to do that. Uh, if you would like to try Showtime, you certainly can. You can go to Showtime.com and get a 30-day free trial. And if you're ready to make that commitment, you can go to uh, show.com slash Bellator MMA, where you can pay 4 dollars a month for the next six months. BC, we asked at the beginning of the show... Did you not know that ejaculate is not a word and that it's ejaculate, or did you run out of space and letters?
0: I ran out of space, Luke, and went in the favor of comedy and deep thought to really yes. make people you know, have to think.
1: Okay, because okay. otherwise we could just make up like, you guys might ejaculate, but we <laughs> at MK, we skip the E. We just go right to the ejaculate part. I mean, that's what we do around here. <laughs> There's women who work on the show who are going to HR as soon as it's over. I want everyone to know that. So if you've enjoyed MK, thanks. A good run. It's been a fun show. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll say this: uh, if you want to follow Morning Combat? It's the same name everywhere. youtubecom slash Combat. Morning Combat on Twitter and Instagram. BC and I, our names will differ there just a little bit. Get the submissions in MorningCombat at gmail.com for Dead Wrong. And uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, enjoy. One on TNT tonight, and I'll be back tomorrow, 3 p.m., with the live chat Friday with BC, pre-vacation. He might have a road beer or two already in his tummy. We don't even know. And then right now, you can check out Road to Light Heavyweight on the Show Sports YouTube channel. BC, if you look at the comments, it's all like MK all day, nearly every day. Yes, MK yeah. boys, go BC, go Luke. It's like overwhelming comments about you and I, so thank you to watching everybody. watching
0: this. It's not doing bad, Luke. People are watching that. So good. It's also uh, our friends at Bellator posted on their YouTube channel as well. Also, Luke, people can check out uh, today. I believe we are publishing a a bunch of fun interviews. I sat down with uh, Marvin Vittori ahead of Saturday's UFC Fight Night card on ABC. And uh, you know how fired up Vittori gets, Luke, about all things uh, everything. About all things everything, Luke. So that'll be a fun one. I also sat down with Tony Harrison, Luke. You know this guy, the former uh, WB wbc 154 pound champion Luke. he hasn't fought since that incredible rematch in 2019 with jermel charlo he'll be headlining a return on fox in a week and a half fun interview with him wow that's good stuff uh so check that out uh luke i hope next week when i'm you know enjoying uh the 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 the, our country and just unplugging that you will take this show to the next level luke I'm going to do my
1: best. I mean, the show without you can't really go to the next level. And I think you would agree with that. But, but we might find some other people in the world who share that MK spirit. And at a bare minimum, I can keep that flame burning for you to, you know, put the gasoline on when you come back. How about that?
0: It's going to need sauce of some kind. So if you can put a, (laughs) put a, Oh, help wanted post for any potential jaculators out there, Luke. Uh, we've got a a, a sauce dude, drought here. That's the official of the sauce.
1: I was like, that's the official sauce of MK ejaculate sauce. <laughs> <laughs> that's your sauce, the ejaculate sauce. Yes. yes. All right. We're gonna,
0: I, have, I to, to dude, we're gonna have to, dude. We're gonna have to.
1: We're gonna have to make bottles of that and then just sell it. It'll, it'll, it'll just be ranch, but we'll call it ejaculate sauce.
0: Dude, oh god that's awful yes yes uh shout out to all our great listeners and friends uh imprint brewing we love those folks uh shout out to everybody thank you for patronizing us as we patronize you we
1: appreciate Very good. That. all right for malka cbs sports showtime that's brian campbell i'm luke thomas we'll see you i'll see you tomorrow we'll see you guys on friday and until then may all of your gains be ejaculated and loyal